Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. And I'm Matt Petrowski. So what's going on, Dr. P? Should we say together we're Matt Squared, or should we not say that we're together? We tried that before, <laughs> and, the, and the Skype delay killed us. Remember? First episode? Yes. Three yes, years ago? I do. I do. I remember. So what's news this week? All right, news. Let's go through this. Let's see. We've got the uh, Macy's Prepares, world-famous Macy's. That's just basically promo coming out of FileMaker, saying that they used FileMaker Pro. But good to know that big organizations are still using FileMaker Pro. Yeah, I met with it a guy like from Nordstrom who uses a big FileMaker. They're all FileMaker and all Mac at Nordstrom. There's probably more people that use FileMaker than I could ever know. Not in public health. <laughs> I've met all of them who use it in public health, I think. <laughs> trying to change that. Well, here we go. Next one. FileMaker, we had just talked about it on the previous podcast. I think um, uh, Andy Gaunt had the, what was it, Find FileMaker Jobs or something mm-hmm. like that. Well, FileMaker has a job board that came out as well. They've got a uh, FileMaker job board, and let's see, what's the URL for that? That is, because it's different than FileMaker, it's FileMakerJobBoard.com. So that's a place to go and look at things if you're interested in either posting or uh, finding a FileMaker job. Yep. Both of those rolled out the same week, which was interesting timing. And I did not know about the second one. I did not know that FileMaker was doing one as well. Yep. FileMaker's one looks really good. It looks really useful, and there's a lot of things up there. So I think there's Uh two really good uh, offerings. I hope people use both of them, or maybe one of them will shake out and win. We'll have to see. Well, I've got it started in my news now as something to go visit and spend the time looking at when I've got it. Uh, Productive Computing releases a new version of their FM Books connector. That's connecting to QuickBooks. Goya releases Base Elements. That's the uh, what is that's a competitor to Inspector. I don't know if it's really a competitor. It's quite different, but they do some of the same things. Have you used them? Yeah, I have licenses of both of them. I've got. I think licenses to both of them, but I have to be honest, I have not used them on any of my solutions. I've used them on lots of solutions. You live and die by it for certain things that you do. Like when you go to do a cleanup and you need to to delete things that are unreferenced, they pay for themselves many times over when you do that to your project. But Uh. for everyday development of a project that you start from scratch that doesn't have a lot of junk in it, it's less of uh, an obvious gain. I've told you my geek route of how I do that, haven't I? Tell me. I don't think you have. I use the data uh, the data design report. Obviously, I just mm-hmm. spit it out as HTML, but I don't... You can search using the browser's find function, but what I do is I actually end up going to the command line in terminal, and I use grep to find all, uh, you know missing references, like field missing, what script missing, whatever. And basically, grep in the command line just gives me a line-by-line hit of all of the items that are actually missing. Yeah, that's geeky. That's major geeky. Grep is <laughs> like, I mean, you can almost put that on a t-shirt and identify yourself as a geek, just that one word. <laughs> well, that's why I never ended up using the uh, the other tools, is because I just, I don't know, I just go that geek route for some reason. Yeah, that's great. Other news, we've got... Um, the largest, i got to give props to uh, Stephen over at FM Forums. He's really doing a bang-up job, and this was actually back on October 30th, but uh, he had a little announcement that he was uh, celebrating a decade of having run that website. Wow. It doesn't seem like we've been doing this stuff for that long, but 
We have. I've been doing this for 21 years. And I'm in it since 91 or 90. That was my first exposure my, to FileMaker. My FileMaker career can drink now in California and Oregon. It's been able to drink <laughs> for several years in Nevada and has been. <laughs> okay, now what the heck do you mean by drink? It's 21 years old. I did not even make the connection on that, but I'm glad you explained it for everybody else who didn't either. Because it was probably pretty stupid. That's that's a good sign of a joke that goes over like a lead balloon. Oh, you have to explain so it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, that's what we've got for... Uh, that's my picky and choosy of the news. There are other items, too. But uh, that's what we've got. So, let's move on to It's Not FileMaker. So, mine is the Logitech DeNovo keyboard for the Mac. So if you go to newegg.com and search for D-I-N-O-V-O, they make them for the PC as well. Uh, it's a it's a wireless Bluetooth keyboard. It actually lacks only one thing that I wish it had, which is a number pad. But it has a, a mouse trackpad and a volume control and assignable keys. But mostly what I really like about it is the key action is extremely good. You know, the keyboard that you get with the Mac, I, I judge a keyboard on one criteria. How many mistakes do I make when I type, like, emails really fast? And and right. if I make a lot of mistakes, I move on to a different keyboard because it's just not worth the frustration of editing yourself when you're typing. I have to be honest. I've I've moved through different keyboards, but once I end up finding one that I sort of like, I keep it for a long time. Yep, I do too. I've actually, my keyboard that I have at home... I've had for so long, probably 10 years. Man, what is it? We get like really accustomed to a keyboard. You move to something else and it's almost like, you know, driving a stick and getting in a different car. It's like you have to almost have to learn it again. But when it's I either, move to uh, a new one, I'll, I'll go through, I'll buy one and use it for a couple of months and say, eh, no, I'll give it to someone and buy another one. And, and I go through four or five sometimes before I find the one, you know, same thing mm-hmm. with mice. I've done that. I'm still actually using a corded mouse. Oh yeah, me too. I I tried to move to a uh, to a wireless mouse, but for when the times when the battery would go out or something interfered or it wouldn't sync or I, I just said forget it. I'm just going to keep using. I love not having the cords, but yeah, the corded mouse. It's always exactly what you move. The Apple Bluetooth mouse is pretty close to perfect. It lasts That's forever on on batteries. It runs on one battery or two. You can close it so that not, no gunk gets into the thing when you're when it's in your bag. I have one for my laptop, and that's what I use as my travel mouse. Uh, the tracking of that mouse is actually way better than the red laser one that you get when you buy a Mac that's the wired mouse. One of hmm. them is optical with a visible laser, and one of them is optical with an invisible laser, so it works on more surfaces. That I would have never known. And now I know. Now you know. <laughs> well, here's my, uh, unless you're not done. I'm Is done. Is more about the keyboard? No. <laughs> uh, my, f- my not, f- snot. it's not FileMaker. <laughs> Is, uh, um, it's a website that I went to I, um, over in my second life, which is Drupal. They're doing a redesign of Drupal, and the redesign, there's a usability study person, and she pointed me to a URL that's called Optimal Sort. And it's basically a service that she was using, and it's called card sorting, 
which is something that I was not familiar with, but it's basically sort of like an open-ended way of getting information about how people see things with regards to categorizations. So basically, there's one of two ways. You can set up the number of categories, and then you can set up a number of questions. So over on the left-hand side of uh, the web browser are all of these questions. For example, a question would be, let's say we want to categorize how people view particular filmmaker techniques. Um, does adding items from one portal to another, is that more of a scripting technique or is that more of a calculation data technique? So those would be the categories and then they would just drag all of these items from the left over into the different cards that are on the right. And so, and then this, the site compiles all of the statistics for you and shows you basically what peop, how people perceive the things that you have questions about. Now, that's hmm. preset categories. Non-preset means that you allow the end user to actually create the categories where they would put the cards, and then they drag the cards into those categories. Is this free, always free, or is there pricing for certain things? Um, it's, it's a... It's a SaaS. It's a service as an application. So mm -hmm. there is a pricing structure. I think the free one, it'll, you know, everything on the web that's a service will let you do a limited number. And then once you want to go over that, then you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. I'm looking at the pricing. So 30 day subscription for 109 bucks and annual subscription is 559 unlimited, which is expensive. You think it's worth it, it for certain things that you do? Would you pay that? Um, actually, yes. I'm, I'm thinking I'd like to take the time to set up, um, I'm working on a mystery secret project and, uh, I'd like to set up something where I could ask everyone, you know, how, you know, to categorize things and see what they think of things, see if it matches what I'm putting together behind as a structure in a category. And if it doesn't, then that provides you feedback about, you know, what, uh, the majority thinks about with regards to how you're organizing things. Cool. I use a couple of other software as a services. I have a Basecamp account and a Fogbugs account. We've talked about Basecamp. You mentioned that, and I happen to know from having talked with John Sindelar that you use Fogbuzz because he had just talked about uh, something else that he uses. I forget what it was. Zen something. Yeah. Yeah, and we didn't get a chance to look at that when he was here this week. That was our last podcast episode with him when he was in Portland. So that's my uh, It's Not FileMaker, cool. OptimalSort.com. I'll check it out. Very cool. And moving on, you didn't have a FileMaker cool for this week, do you? I don't because I've been in so many meetings this week that I almost wore a tie to work today for the first time in 10 years. I thought you wore a tie every day. No, never. <laughs> and, you know, actually, here's why I didn't wear a tie. I went to look where all my ties were, and I didn't have any. I think I gave them all away. <laughs> oh, ties. I think I've got, like, ten, and they all have so much dust on them, I almost don't want to take them off the rack. It's almost easier just to buy a new one if I need one. Yeah. But that would be wasteful, so I wouldn't do that. But you have a FileMaker Cool. I do. I just released an article that I'm so jazzed about. I think it is the coolest thing since sliced bread. It is embedded jQuery. And I released the article in, uh, in homage of the fact that jQuery is open source and free. The article is free. So anybody who just heads to the website at FileMaker Magazine, they can uh, watch the video and download the technique file. Basically, 
it embeds jQuery into a web viewer so that you can then use jQuery within the HTML that you provide. And so therefore, anything that you see on the web that people that are they're doing that are like really cool. One in particular, the coolest that I can envision is probably um, step back and and say what the big big features of uh, jQuery are for those of us who, you know, don't use it every day like you do. It every day. <laughs> it's a JavaScript library. So basically in the in the days of uh pre-web 2.0, browsers always had JavaScript. So Web 2.0 wasn't actually like a new web. It was just the fact that people started leveraging JavaScript. They started using JavaScript to do the cool stuff that you see on web pages now. Right. So it used to be really arcane to do things in JavaScript in a web browser. You had to write all the code yourself. There was nothing that made it easy, sort of like creating your own suite of custom functions. And if you want to send an email, you just call your own email custom function. Mm-hmm. That's what jQuery is. It's just a library that allows you to do cool things with regards to manipulating the DOM, the document object model, on HTML. Cool. So as we know, because the web viewer allows you to render HTML without actually referencing a URL or a actual HTML file, you can put HTML right within the calculation of a web viewer. The problem is getting jQuery in. FileMaker's calculation engine, or the calculation dialog box, is limited to 30,000 characters. Which is a long calculation, but not long enough to store the actual Java code for jQuery. Correct, because even the smallest version of jQuery is 32,000 characters. And so you can't even get it into set variable, script step. So the trick is... I stuck it in a text object on a FileMaker layout. I name I gave that text object a name of jQuery, and then on startup, I actually just read that object using the get layout object attributes, grabbing the content of that object to get jQuery into a global variable. Right, so the variable can handle that. It just can't be set to it initially. So, for example, if you have a um, if you have a script that sets a variable, and here's another thing I kind of wonder, to itself plus a value, and you loop through it to the point where it gets bigger than thirty thousand uh, characters, would that actually break, or would it would that work? I wonder. I guess that's a little bit different question. Well, storing the content once it's in FileMaker is in its actual like file spec for how it stores all of its little parts is no mm-hmm. big deal. Because a field itself can hold many, many megabytes. Well, yeah, field can be what two gigs, I think. But yeah. a variable, uh, but a variable can, I guess, be two gigs. You just can't say set variable to a to a block of to a field if the field is two gigs. Well, at some point you're going to max out. Remember, the variables are based on memory and the right. memory space that the filemaker has taken. Since memory is allocated dynamically, right? You can kill filemaker by just trying to cram too much into memory. Mm-hmm. But we're only talking about 32K. Right. It's it's the way that the programmers coded the calculation dialog box by putting a limitation of 30,000 characters on it that is the problem, not whether it can actually store. Because, I mean, you can you can have an image that's one megabyte and push that into a variable if you want. Yeah, I never use images in variables, but I guess, yeah, that can be done. So... 
it's and it's just awesome because once you get it into a web viewer, then anything that you see on the web, all the hovers, all the fade in, slide in, slide outs, it's all available to you. And because you can just simply directly reference your fields concatenated in with within the HTML, you've got some really awesome looking stuff. So you use those things not in a field, but you use them on a web viewer inside FileMaker, and you can call any of those jQuery uh, subroutines, basically, right? Correct. And you can use jQuery plugins. Plus, you you do have to write your own jQuery code in order to manipulate the actual HTML. So, for example, if a particular div tag starts out as being hidden, you have to use jQuery in, in order to tell it to show. But that's basically, you know, when you click on a particular uh, CSS item, like when you click on a line item within an unordered list, you can specify CSS that says... When they hover over this, show the cursor, and when they click on it, jQuery is going to say, okay, that div down there that is has the class of, let's say, for example, bio, which is part of the example I use, I want you to hide everything else, and I want you to reveal the bio. And the contents of the bio is directly coming from a FileMaker field. So they've got a color picker that's jQuery and JavaScript-based, you can, if you manipulate the actual um, text within the HTML, you can, say, for example, use a color picker, select a color, and then what that does is that changes the internal HTML that the web viewer is actually rendering, and then you can reference that by re- uh, getting the content of that web viewer and extracting whatever you want. So if you put in, uh, for example, comment tags, HTML comment tags for, like, start and end, Mm-hmm. You could then use a FileMaker calculation and parse out changes that were made to the HTML within the web viewer. Oh, wow. So like highlighting so, changes like Word can do? Sure. Yeah, that's cool. All kinds of stuff. I mean, just, uh that's why I'm so jazzed. It's so awesome. I w- everybody go check out that video. Front page, FileMakerMagazine.com. Want to get on to our main topic? Yes. Which is plugins. Plugins. Ooh, I hate them. I'm to, never going to use a plugin. To plug in or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to plug in or not is correct. So, first of all, what's your stance? Where are you with plugins? I, I love them. Me too. I, use them. I don't use them like for on a whim, but they make sense very often, and they they are multipliers of development resources. Right. I totally so, agree. So there are reasons that people don't use plugins, which we're going to talk about. And one of the really big ones is, well, why would I need to use a plugin? I could do that with a super complex series of custom functions. And and that's true. In a lot of cases, you can actually do things without, you know, using a plugin. Uh, you could, you know, make a complex layout, have a script, have custom functions, and have all these other things that are built into FileMaker and solve that. But my question is, at what cost? That I was just going to say, so should we come up for a, I, I don't want to be mean about it, but a term for that type of attitude, sort of call it uh, the FileMaker purist attitude? Because I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm so into leverage. If it exists and it's there to give me an advantage, why would I not want to use it? Just yeah. because I want to keep it pure in FileMaker. 
I'd love to hear what what reasons are behind people who are really, really against them, other than I know the biggest issue being licensing. Right. And so cost would be another reason that people would list, because to deploy a plugin might be $400 or $2,000. It depends upon what plugin you have. And, and then the other big reason that I hear people giving is deployment. So I think those are kind of the big three, wouldn't you say? Yeah. For me, the deployment, the issue is taken care of by auto-update. You have to take a little bit of time to learn it, but once it's there, it's a done deal. You don't have to think about it. You just put the plugin in the server folder, and then it gets downloaded to the client. They don't even have to restart the client. So for me, that becomes a non-issue. But for me, the big issue is price. If I had to license FileMaker for X number of dollars times however many seats, then I have to go do it for a plugin. Yeah, that's where I can see the biggest problem is. Yeah, that's true. And some of the plugins, you know, for certain solutions, the plugin cost might actually be higher than the FileMaker cost. Yes. But see, I don't weigh it against the cost of FileMaker. I weigh it against the cost of development. Right. So I charge my customers $400 an hour. No, I'm just kidding. I don't charge anywhere near that. (laughs) But you take whatever your hourly rate is and... If you can do a solution for a customer, so a customer comes to you and they says, yeah, I need to get a way to send emails from FileMaker so that I can send HTML emails to 500 people. Uh, every month I send out a thing. And you say, okay, well, you know, there's, there may be ways to do that entirely in FileMaker. Or, you know, credit card processing. You could, you could actually process credit cards with pure FileMaker. But, and they have some real specific requirements of how they want to do it. And you could say, well, yeah, I could do that in, you know, eight hours. Well, eight hours, let's just say you do work at, you know, on the low end, $100 an hour, $800. Well, if you could buy a plug-in for $200 and you could get that done in an hour or two hours, you've saved your client a lot of money. Or a solution like FM Spark, which I think they include a plug-in exactly. that you can use. Yeah, because they bundled it at the license level. I'm totally over that. In the history of your use of FileMaker, which plugins have you used? Well, for those who have listened on the, my videos and the magazine site and know me, I've, well, first, I've only ever used TroyFile. I used way back when, TroyFile plugin. Mm-hmm. And then there was one that um, I believe it's the CNS guys they had that would create uh, contextual submenus. Within, so you could, you know, right click and it would actually give you a menu and then they could trigger a script or something like that. I remember that. Something to that effect. Mm -hmm. I think those are the only two that I licensed. Oh, and the serial plugin. Troy Troy had a serial plugin which would allow you to communicate with the serial port. So I would do things with like scales and uh, other devices that would allow you to grab info on the serial Mm -hmm. port. Nowadays, a lot of those devices are actually USB and you can just plug right in and they work as a USB keyboard. I had a client that does a roofing system for installing roofs on houses, and they had this really cool device that you can put over blueprints of a house, and you click the positions of, you know, the dimensions of the house, and it calculates how many square feet that is. So, like, for a really complex roof outline that's, you know, uh, that, that would be really tricky to do all the areas individually, you just click all the points and then push a button, say, I've measured it, and it sends over the square footage to a field in FileMaker as a USB keyboard. There's no plug-in, no integration. It was beautiful. That's nice. So the list of plugins I've used is actually pretty long. All the Troy ones 
At Pre-1, we had a license to just about every Troy plugin made, and we heavily used Troy File, Troy Dialog, and Troy Activator. Uh, also, Troy Encryptor for encrypting credit cards. That would yes. be another really good example. Encrypting, doing some sort of an encryption, you could do with you know two lines of code in a plugin, or you could, or you could do it in a custom function. But uh, I did use a plugin for credit cards as well. I think I used the early Waves in Motion one. Yep, I've used that one. Plastic is a good one. There's, Plastic, what's that? That's the 360 Works credit card plugin. Ah, wow! I've used so many different ones; it's hard to remember them all. Some of them didn't uh, make the switch to Intel Mac. So at Pre One, we had kind of an issue with that. We had to change plugin vendors. Ooh, ZipScript. ZipScript's another Zip. big one. I lived by that one. Did you ever use FM Example to do triggering? Uh-uh. FM Example oh, is one the, that FileMaker yeah. gives you for free. No, I never used that. And it has triggering. And when it first came out, I was like, yeah, that's cool. It's an example. But what if it goes away or what if they don't update it? And it actually, that hasn't come true. It's, it's worked perfectly well since FileMaker 7. Wow. So I have that, clients who rely on it. That's why I used ZipScript is because I knew that most everyone who released script triggering plugin, they were using that code. So they were just enhancing it. Right. So like it, it had ZipScript had timers and uh, you know it, it eventually implemented a schedule. Right. Then DoScript came out. Yep. There was uh, EventScript, I think, was another one. Yeah, waves and of course, events. And that one was really cool because it had a it had a scheduler program that you could use that you could create a bunch of events for a bunch of different programs that you use. And then when that day came along and the hour came along, it would trigger the script to run a report. Right. And that interface was really useful. So what are you using now? And then, uh, let's see, I still haven't list, finished the ones I've used historically. Oh, gosh. Activator is really cool from Troy because it actually can trigger scripts on a different computer on the same network. Are you still using that? I always wanted I, to I use it, but anymore. I'm not doing many solutions with a lot of different people required. I've scaled back my triggering to just global fields for search for the most part. I don't really use triggering much for actual stored fields anymore. I use scripted processes where you think you're clicking into the field, but you're actually running a script. It does a test and either shows you a different screen or clicks. It actually does a, does a go to field command that clicks into the field. And, you know, a lot of times you don't even realize you just ran a script, but you actually are clicked into the field. I use gotcha. MBS, the monkey bread software plugin. I have to be honest. I would use that plugin but here's what they did that I didn't like. Yeah. They included PHP. <laughs> and the reason I didn't like that is because the PHP plugin that I do like and the one that I currently use mm-hmm. is uh, from Michael Woods over at uh, SmartPill. Mm-hmm. SmartPill PHP. When they were just doing the JavaScript stuff and mm-hmm. the web viewer stuff, I would use that plugin. In fact, I would suggest that he break those out. Because it's just, uh, you know, it gives you the option to just have that functionality because I don't need to be running two plugins with PHP. Yeah. That's, I guess, one of your other big things you sp- to spoil your surprise is that a lot of these things you could actually just use one plugin to get the job done. Well, are you done with your with your with list? my list? I'm almost half done. <laughs> half done? <laughs> no, I'm close to done. The other ones I've used are the SMTP it and POP3 it. And FM Data Guard, I also rely on from WorldSync. Yes. So those are the big ones I, that I've used historically. And I'm sure there's a ton of other ones I've used for other small projects, but those are the ones I've done pretty significant work with. 
And then there's also some ones that I have not yet done. One of the ones you just mentioned, uh, SmartPill PHP, which I have not really implemented uh, a great deal. But I would say, even though you could use a single plugin for a lot of those things, it seems to me that if to do a dialog box, it would be simpler to do with Troy Dialog than it would be to use SmartPill. Is that not true? Now, well, dialog boxes are the one unique instance where you can't do that with the... There's two plugins that I use, mm-hmm. and uh, just depending on uh, my needs. Um, but dialogs, if I'm going to do dialogs, I will either use Troy Dialog or the Two For You dialog. Right. From Two For You. That's just because those are the only ones where they are embedding actual interface code into their plugins so that you, they can render the dialog. Otherwise, you have to use something OS-specific, and that's way more hassle to uh, do with something like uh, PHP and SmartPill or uh, ScriptMaster. But my my life with plugins is it's typically SmartPill because I'm more comfortable with PHP than I am with Java. But recently, I am I'm I'd say ScriptMaster one because it's free. I mean, it, I just cannot fathom the amount of functionality that you get. I mean, really, ScriptMaster and PHP, in my mind, replace all other plugins. Sorry how did, to how did I forget ScriptMaster on my list? That's one of my big ones, too, for sure. Everything. Everything that any other plugin does. Now, it may be more efficient to do something. Let's say you want to interact with like a, a PBX system. I know that there's some uh, Windows-only PBX system plugin out there, um, but... You know, it may be easier to use the plugin, like going back to what you were saying, development hour-wise, mm-hmm. than taking the time. But a lot of the times, if you know how to search for code using Google's Code Search and other sites, you can find pre-existing code that already exists to do what you want to do. You just have to integrate it into uh, those two plugins, either yep. using Java with ScriptMaster or PHP and SmartPill. Another really good example of that brings to mind another plugin that I go to a lot, which is the Web Services plugin. Vince Bonanno, right? Now, I haven't used that a lot just it's, because I don't use a lot of web services. It's pretty cool. I use I use some and I'm using more. And uh, we'll be talking about that a lot on future episodes. Now, the reason I bring that up as an, as an example is because ScriptMaster can do web services. Correct. But if you talk to them, they'll say, yeah, it's, it can do it, but it's kind of a lot of work. And if you want to make them really simple, you can get the web services plug-in and make your life easier. So that's a good example of, you know, do you want to spend development resources or do you want to get something done efficiently and quickly for your client? Exactly. And, yes, a lot of the times if I'm going to do it to code it, it's just because I want to learn it and know about it. But if I need to get it done, I'm all about leverage. I'm, I'm going the route of just buying the WSDL plug-in. So if anybody has other reasons that we haven't mentioned that plugins are great or plugins are terrible, send email to matt at filemakertalk.com. Well, did we want to talk about which ones we've seen but want to use? Uh, well, the big one that I have seen that I haven't used and want to is the SmartPill one, and you're convincing me even more that I should. What's on your list for that? Fusion Reactor. Definitely. Is is the one. Now, what's cool about it, what I really like, because I'm... I'm geeky into the technology. From my understanding, what they did is I believe they embedded Tomcat into a plugin, and Tomcat is a Java implementation. I'm th- I think it's a Java implementation of Apache, but it may just be its own uh, Java web server. And so what happens is 
the way that they're able to get interaction back and forth between the web viewer, where this is almost similar to the monkey bread software and what Todd's doing with JavaScript, mm-hmm. is they're able to just talk directly with the web server. And because they wrote the API, they're able to pass things back out to the FileMaker API. So when you click on a link in a web viewer, because their little implementation of the Tomcat server, I'm hoping it's Tomcat, they just call right to the FileMaker plugin API, which can then trigger a script. Yep. And, and I do use things. that. In the, in the search solution that I wrote, I have built it so that you can generate a, a list of records that you find as, as uh, list items in an HTML table. And then each line has an ahref command in it that links back to a simple little JavaScript uh, which calls a web server running on inside the plugin that you have to initialize when you open up the database. And that then navigates to, that runs a script that navigates to a record in your solution. So it's, which sounds complex, but, and it took some time to implement for sure. But once it's there, it's great. And you can actually, the cool thing about that is the web viewer doesn't have to be a web viewer and FileMaker, it can actually be a web page. So you could actually send someone an HTML document. And they could click on, they could open up that document in a web browser and click on a line, which could run a script in your local copy of FileMaker <laughs> and navigate to a specific record or do any kind of a function based on that, based on that HTML data. Really? Which is pretty cool. Now, is that using H, the, the Fusion plugin? Use, either using about? Fusion. I found MBS to be a little easier to do for text type HTML links, so that's the one that I chose to implement. Fusion seemed to be much better for graphical type things, like at least the, the examples they provide. Like, for example, having a Gantt chart and being able to grab a line and, draw, and move it and have that actually change data in a, in a field in FileMaker. Isn't Jesse over at 360Works, isn't he doing something where you can, like, drag an image over a web viewer and it will actually upload that image? Super Container, the plugin that comes with Super Container, has that ability so that you can drag a, an image from the desktop, I think just as you said, into a, into what looks like a container field, but is actually a web viewer, and it uploads it uh, on the fly. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's just, you can't get easier than that. Very nice. Well, that's all I've got with regards to the ones that I've seen that I want to check out. And, I mean, those guys, it's worth just going to get their demo file because their demo file is just oh, yeah. a model of how to do a nice commercial-looking file yes, solution. Yes, beautiful. For sure. So, but that's what I've got, unless you've got any more. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about SQL plugins, about what they do, and, uh, you know... I have only worked with them a little bit, but basically this class of plugins exists that gives you the ability to do SQL joins and SQL queries into your FileMaker data without having to have a table occurrence on the graph or a layout to represent that data. Did I characterize that correctly? Yep. Yep. Yes, indeed. In fact, this is probably... I will even admit to this feature or this capability being underutilized. Yeah, definitely. When you access the SQL API by you know running a SQL command against FileMaker, things happen so much faster. And say, for example, you had uh, you copy from the clipboard ten thousand email addresses. You want to get all of those into FileMaker records. What's faster? 
executing a looping script that will use SQL to get those in or a looping script that will actually create records. Now, I haven't tried this, hmm. but I know that you can combo your SQL statements. Now, a SQL statement can only be so long, but let's say, for example, uh, given the average size of your email address, you're going to create a SQL statement out of the email addresses in increments of 10 blocks. So every 10 email addresses, you're going to create one SQL statement. You can auto, you can have FileMaker's calculation engine automatically create all of those and then run it, and I can pretty much guarantee it'll be faster than FileMaker's standard looping method. I would bet you that it wouldn't. How's that? <laughs> I've done a lot of... Well, actually, I haven't tested that particular thing, but I'd still put a dollar on that, and then someone can tell us who won <laughs> when they try this test. But That's I've done true. a lot of different the... testing of different methods to create records in FileMaker tables. And I've come up with some pretty good metrics of how long it takes to create a record, which is one of the things that FileMaker doesn't do as fast as I wish it did. There are things that FileMaker does incredibly fast, and I don't have any complaints. And creating records is not on the list if you need to create a lot of them. Like, for example, if you do an import or a looping script to create records or a SQL statement to create records, they all kind of have to deal with the time it takes for FileMaker server to um, create that record, index, whatever fields need to be indexed, etc. Oh, well, I'm not thinking about FileMaker Server. I'm well, thinking about know. getting the data in a local table and then just import from FileMaker to FileMaker. Right, but, but you know, every solution is still is pretty much running on FileMaker Server. Not every, of course, but every solution I work with is. And so what really matters to me is how long does it take to create a record in a hosted database. Gotcha. So that well, if you have a script that creates like 50 related records, do you want the user sitting there waiting three seconds for that to happen? Hmm. And then you've got replace versus running SQL against uh, updating records. Right. So to me, the cool advantage of, the, of this SQL capability is to do much more complex queries and to get data out of your existing database in ways that are much simpler to do or ways that would be really, really complex to do in FileMaker so that they're actually simpler to do with these SQL uh, statements. And that's true. And once you learn SQL, then you're able to use uh, you know, ESS more efficiently mm -hmm. and also become familiar with other systems. There's other systems in SQL? It's not just FileMaker? <laughs> no, it's not FileMaker is one of our topics. Oh, that's right. We forgot about that <laughs> earlier on. Uh, but guess what I would use for a SQL plugin? What? Smart pill or <laughs> smart pill or script master? That was such a setup. Okay, it what was. other ones can actually do it, right? Because I knew about those two, and I th I think uh, MBS can too, right? Pretty much. When FileMaker opened it up in the API, the same thing with script triggering. Any of the plugins that had the unique functionality, like uh, do script for script triggering, zip script for script triggering, SQL, uh, my and Butler has do SQL right. and so on. Well, when it was available to those guys in the API just to make the single standalone plugin, well, it was also available to the guys that have these all-inclusive, you know, less support PHP or less support Java. Right. So they have function calls in there, both Scriptmaster and PHP, for script triggering as well as executing SQL. Right. So there's four, I guess, that we've talked about that actually expose in the plugin the ability to do SQL directly then. Yeah. Are there any others that you know of? Well, for example... Um, uh, the FM Data Guard, mm -hmm. its whole premise for existing was because of the SQL API. Exactly. But I don't know if there's script steps. I don't know if Ex they actually have plugin calls that allow you to directly use 
the SQL capabilities in FileMaker. No, I, think I don't they're think they're so. taking advantage of them, but they're not giving them to you for general purposes. No, like yeah, they, they SmartPill PHP and Do SQL do. Right. Now they specialized. Right. Okay. So, but there are there are a few others, I think. I mean, it's presumably pretty easy to access. I haven't even looked at the FileMaker API, so cool. Well, I think that's all we wanted to talk about. That's all I've got for today. We're running on a, a good time here, almost 45 minutes, just over 40. So if you don't have anything else, uh, I don't have anything else, then I guess we're about to head out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And before you go, make sure, send us comments, FileMaker Talk on Skype, Matt at FileMaker Talk if you want to email, leave us a comment on the website, by all means, go to iTunes Store, look for the term, search for the term FileMaker, and leave us a review. Yes. We'd love to hear from you. And also, we're interested in people who want to advertise on this podcast. So if you want to advertise, send an email to matt at filemakertalk.com. Wait, are we popular enough? We are. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. All three of you. Now, there's hundreds of people who have already subscribed to this. Maybe thousands. I think it's a thousand. Cool. Or more. <laughs> we'll, we'll tell you how many exactly if you, if you buy an ad. <laughs> cool deal. Thanks. All right. See you next time.